0: You are talking
1: about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. I got a bad feeling about
0: this. I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore.
1: He's looking at you, kid.
0: What we got here is a failure to communicate. You could ask yourself questions. question, do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk?
1: First of all, how'd you like it? Was it more work than you expected, more fun than you expected, uh, agonizing to watch it unfold?
0: It was a lot of work, I thought it would be a lot of work, and it was. Uh, Especially the way, and I'm—I tend to be obsessive about these things. So just, you know, I put more time into it probably than was necessary. But that's just how I'm wired, I think, Um, which is why I was resistant. The real reason I was a little resistant to it at first, because I knew it would kind of take over my life for a while. But that's all right. It's worse things to have take over your life. It uh, was—it was fun to watch it unfold. Um, You know, the, the the top. 12 or so became pretty evident early on, so there wasn't much uh, suspense in that sense. I mean, the, the, top, the top films really identified themselves very, very early. And after that, it was just a question of where exactly they were going to So there wasn't much suspense in that, in that sense for me, but it was still fun to watch it. And, and watching the bottom of the list develop was a lot more fun, really. And that, that didn't really happen until those last... You know, twenty or thirty ballots really came in, so that was fun.
1: So after the first couple, maybe dozen ballots, you had a pretty good idea of what was going to be in the top, and the order changed a little bit, but it was the bottom that saw all the churn.
0: Yeah, well, what happened was I didn't, uh, I didn't even put the the films into the spreadsheet. The first kind of dozen, fifteen ballots that came in, I didn't even look at them. I mean, I checked them, you know, glanced at them, but I did not look at them, and I did not put them in the spreadsheet that uh, that Daniel's made, which is a great spreadsheet and really. Uh, Really effective for just making this. I, I couldn't have done it because, you know, that was the other thing. I didn't – I've never used a spreadsheet like that before. So I was imagining, you know, keeping running totals and a calculator and doing all this in my head and on some, just in a Word document. I thought, oh, my God, I'll go crazy. Yeah. And I would have done it that way, <laughs> but I would have gone crazy. So that spreadsheet was great. But I didn't put anything in the spreadsheet until I had about uh, 17 ballots, I think. So I, I kind of glanced at what everyone had. But I didn't even, like, wasn't even clocking in my head, oh, uh, Chinatown is lot, or Godfather not. It wasn't even in my head yet. It was just I was kind of making sure everyone had 25 on their list, and that was about it. Then I was just saving them, and I wasn't, uh, wasn't putting them in the spreadsheet. When I finally put them in the spreadsheet, I had, I think, 16 or 17. And uh, so that was the first time I kind of like, oh, these are – these are what the the top vote are so far, and the surprising thing there was well, not surprising maybe because of who the early voters were. A lot of the early voters were the hard hardcore sci-fi and horror people. Mm. So Alien was actually the number one film Ooh. right away, and like by a wide margin, by like a hundred points. Like right away, Alien was like I was like whoa, oh. and Alien was one that I figured would be in the mix, but I didn't think it would be the top film. And so right away, I was like, oh, well, and I looked over who the ballots were figured, okay, well, that probably won't last. And it didn't. And by the time, um, I think the 24th ballot, when the 24th ballot came in, Godfather was number one and it never stopped being number one. It was challenged a few times and it was close for a good chunk of the way, but it stayed number one from the 24th ballot on. So I think there, I saw a couple people, on the board say, Oh, you know, because there's so many ballots, it's inevitable Godfather will, will rise to the top, but if it had only been sixty like last time, or it would have only been fifty. Nope. <laughs> right away. As soon as we got twenty four ballots in, Godfather was one and it never stopped being number one. It was just the most popular film by far.
1: So okay, Godfather running away. Um, and I find I found this really fascinating. Um, that Taxi Driver had the most number one votes. Right. It was third. It had twelve number one votes. Jaws had ten. Godfather had nine. Right. So 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 we've talked about this uh, during past lists that certain films, little kind of love it or hate it films, uh, Taxi Driver, Mulholland Drive. I mean, it's not really hated, but you know what I mean. Some people really latch on to these films. Sure. They do really well in this format. Sure. Okay, so you said that you did your ballot first, that you wouldn't be tempted to influence the outcome.
0: Right, that was another reason I didn't look at the ballots as they were coming I didn't start tabulating it because I didn't want to be affected by, by what was right. there and start thinking, well, all right, Chinatown. I mean, I knew. I mean, Chinatown was going to be my number one no matter what, but I didn't want to – it was really the second half of the list. I didn't want to have to start – like, at the very end of the list, I saw, like, uh, Trovek, the uh, Werner Herzog movie. Didn't quite make it. It finished 120 or something. And, you know, if I, if I was unscrupulous, it would be really easy to move Strozek from my number 25 to my number 10, and all of a sudden it's, it's 98 or whatever. And I just – I didn't want to be in that position. I didn't want to be tempted by that. So I just wanted to have it done early and be done. And plus, you know, I've seen so many movies. It's not like I had, to, had a lot of movies to catch up on. I was, I was pretty much good to go.
1: Well, that was my going to be my question. Are there any other films that, if you could do it afterwards, and there were no moral or ethical considerations, you would have nudged up or down a little bit? I mean, there's a lot of gaps between some of these, uh, but there's also a jumble where you could have made a big difference. I'm looking uh, specifically at right at the edge of the top 20. Barry Lyndon had 349 points, Halloween had 348, and The Conversation had 347. You could have nudged another uh, another film up into the top 20 very easily. Are there any uh, any other examples where maybe yeah, you were really that, tempted I mean, to? Except,
0: you know, I really don't. <clears throat> the placement of these things doesn't really some people get really you know intense about oh god yeah. taxi drive is only three. Oh poor baby. Uh, I mean it doesn't matter to me. As long as they make the list I, I figure that that's kind of
1: Yeah, general range yeah, I that's, care that's, about. That's the great. Most for I mean sure.
0: something being twenty one rather than being nineteen, it doesn't that doesn't matter to me. I mean I. so that that was no temptation. I mean getting another film or two on the list that I really love would have been maybe a little tempting, but moving one up a spot or two, that doesn't that didn't affect me at all
1: just getting it onto the list so the so the really marginal ones at the bottom those are the ones because right. those are the ones you could have easily knocked in with a slightly higher vote right. anyway right so uh, I want to talk a little bit about just the number of ballots we got, 99, which is very impressive. And I'm, I I'm—I got to publicly shame all the people I asked in those last few hours who thought, a couple of them said, oh, I don't know, sorry, I'm kind of busy. And I told them, you might be number 100. You really might. I'm not putting you on. And they all would have been. Yep. Um. So we got, uh, let's see, about 50% more ballots uh, than we did on previous lists. We were in the 60s, usually, I think it was. Right, right. But the top films actually got one hundred percent more points, like literally double in some cases, or nearly double. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Godfather had, um, I think, more than double. Goodfell, uh, oh sorry, more than double. Uh, the Shining and almost uh, uh, twice as many as Goodfellas. So it wasn't just the extra ballots. No. It was there. There was there was also a much broader consensus here. For sure. Uh, like for example, if you look at the Goodfellas and The Shining, they would have been, I think, eleventh. Both of them would have been eleventh on this list with the same number of points. Right. Right. That's how big it was. Do you think that's a product of the fact that we're further back in time? And so these films have been out longer, and people have sort of decided what they like a little bit more, like if we did this twenty more years from now maybe the maybe the eighties and nineties have a similar consensus that they don't have now
0: yeah, maybe I think I mean I think part of it like when you get to a decade like the nineties where even you know people on our site who are only in their you know late teens and early twenties, they have a much much broader <laughs> They've seen a lot of movies from the 90s, even even movies they are not even gonna consider. But they've just seen everything, so they just went through it. They lived it. And when you go back further, especially as we go back, as we go back further, if these lists continue and get back to the 30s and 40s, you know, I don't. I think it's gonna be much more common for this kind of grouping that they're gonna be those 10 or 15 films that kind of have the consensus that everyone. Because there are lots of people who, who, who watched a lot of 70s movies for the first time for this list, which mm, is great. Yeah, it's one of the yeah. great things these, these lists do. But, you know, they started from a list of recommendations, and those recommendations are from not just, you know, us on the board, but just from the general, what won Oscars, what's generally considered, you know, by critics to be a great film. And those, so I think those are going to tend to, whereas The Shining doesn't have maybe that great, a critical reputation overall, and has a lot of... People who hate it, and lots of Stephen King fans who don't like it. There's a rabid fan base for it. Where you're not going to find a rabid fan base for, you know, something from the 30s or 40s the same way. You're not going to have something. Oh my God! Everyone's seen My Man Godfrey, right? My Man Godfrey's going to win. I mean, it's a great movie. <laughs> it's a great comedy. But there's not going to be that kind of rabid. Where there's going to be. 40 or 50 mofos who are going to vote for it and like that's the one and all of a sudden, boop, that pops up. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be Castle Black it's going to be Gone with the One. It's going to be these, these famous movies because those are the ones people have seen. So if they've only seen, even if these people have done, these, some of those people did great marathons and watched, you know, 100 movies, 80 movies, 60 movies. It's yeah. astounding, which is great. But even then, they've got, a, they've got a, a pool of, you know, 150 they're pulling from, whereas in the 80s and 90s you're pulling from
1: Thousand, yeah, thousand.
0: Also, you've been watching The Shining or Back to the Future ever since you were a kid, so you've got that nostalgic pull. Whereas, there's if you've as great a movie as, as it is, if you've only seen Casablanca once or twice and you watch it for the list, you're not going to have the same kind of fervor for it that you do a movie you've been watching since you were seven. It's just it's impossible.
1: So yeah, I think it's a real credit to how seriously people took their ballots um, because. They could have voted a lot more strategically if, if some of the diehard taxi driver fans really wanted it to to win or get as high as possible. You know, obviously they want to put it at number one, but they'd also want to take all the other obvious contenders and leave them off their list entirely. If they were literally just trying to get it as high as possible at all costs, right? But they didn't do that, did they? Yeah. It, it wouldn't be a real list, and they didn't do it.
0: No, that's why I was just looking at a couple of people this morning because I just uh, we're taping this on Saturday and I had just. Uh, just revealed Taxi Driver's number three. And some of the people who are most, you know, fervently, oh, I can't believe Taxi Driver's not number one, I checked out their list, and they have Godfather on their list. they got it there. Some of them, like, I forget whose list I looked at, but somebody, I think it was Blue Line, maybe. I'm not calling him out just, it's just because that was the line. <laughs> right, had, yeah. Uh, taxi Driver number one, I think he had um, Godfather number four. So what he really did, effectively, is he gave Taxi Driver not 25 points, he gave it three Right, it was, it was never going to catch. There's a huge gap there of people who don't like taxi driver, wouldn't have taxi driver, had it way, way low on their list if they had it. But I mean, that was the thing about Godfather. I mean, Godfather had was on 66 out of 99, which was astounding in itself. But then it was on 50 top tens, so it's not just like people are just like, oh yeah, I got to get, I guess, I got to make room for the Godfather. Everybody. Most everybody who had The Godfather on the list had it in the top ten. So those movies, even if they didn't have it number one, they had it number five or number seven or number three, so they weren't really making this huge gap. And so there's this huge pool of these really nine films that got a ton of votes, and it really became a uh, analogy I, I, I made up kind of halfway through. It was uh, I don't know if Wheel of Fortune i a worldwide or if that's just an American thing, but the American show Wheel of Fortune, which was a... a we could solve puzzles uh word puzzles, getting one letter at a time and uh, in the finale when the when the show first came out in the eighties uh when you had the final puzzle and you you had to get to get guess a few letters to to help you guess and uh, it became pretty evident early on that I know someone had done the math or realized that the most common letters are r s t l n e, and so everyone started guessing like it wasn't even a wasn't even a, <laughs> there was no drama, like when you got to the final, you just guessed R, F, T, L, N, E. Yeah. And then it got to be so common that by, I don't know when this happened, I don't watch Wheel of Fortune that often, but when I tuned in, you know, years ago, all of a sudden, they give you those letters automatically. Those are given, and then you get four or five more to guess. Because, okay, everyone's going to have on their on their list. What else do you want? And that's how it was with these movies. Everyone has Godfather, Taxi Driver, Alien, Jaws, Clockwork Orange, Cuckoo's Nest, have a combination of those on their list somewhere. And a lot of them are all in the top 10. So there's, there wasn't a lot of separation. The only separation came that Godfather was on a lot of them, and it was always the top 10. Whereas Chinatown and Hope, uh, Clockwork Orange and Apocalypse Now, those kinds of movies would be on a lot of lists, but sometimes they were down to number 24 and down to number 14. And Godfather was always just consistently 50 out of, 100 mofos out of 99 mofos, and 50 out of 66 lists. it was always in the top 10. And that just, it became a gap that was too hard to, nobody could close it.
1: Just so consistent, yeah. Uh, I will call out Blue Lion a little bit. He very nearly guessed the final seven. He, he just flipped really the last
0: really two. Came really That's really
1: close. agonizing, yeah.
0: <laughs> very good job, yeah. He was the only one who was even close. Most people, like, when we, we started doing it at the top 10, and most people were way off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I realized shortly short, shortly after I made the little Blu-ray offer that, you know, I'm pretty sure the odds on this are extremely yeah, long. Really um, so, I mean, so congratulations, by the way. As
0: tough as the, as the odds were, I mean, people were just way off. <laughs> just, And that's what I understand. And people's own, you know, own prejudices, own who they were rooting for and... We the movies they're rooting for or against, like oh I hate Clockwork Orange, so I'm sure that's going to be ten. Well, that's not how it works. But okay, <laughs> or I really love Jaws, so Jaws must be number one. Well, close, but no, that's not how it works. So. Yeah,
1: that's not how it works either. Um, so I was looking at uh, the director breakdown a little bit, yeah. um, and you know during the '90s list, uh, Tarantino uh, had two films in the top seven with Pulp okay. Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. Um, Coppola has three in the top ten here. And Robert Duvall's in all three, too, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. And I was looking at his filmography, and I didn't realize this, but he only made four films in the 70s. Who were for the four? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, he had yeah, four basically in our top, I think, 21? Four around our think, top 12? Uh,
0: uh, conversation snuck in? 17, I believe.
1: Okay, right, yeah. So he had four films in the 70s, they all made our top 20, and three of them made the top 10. Right. I know that other individual films are probably better, and other careers are more impressive, but I'm kind of tempted to wonder whether or not this is the single most impressive decade for any single director in film history.
0: It's, it's certainly got to be way, way up there. I mean, I'm sure you could go back to the 30s and 40s and, and pick different directors, but yeah, I mean, as far as... Certainly in the modern era, after the Hollywood system collapsed, and it became, you know more independent, even working within the studio. It wasn't just, you know, because before the 19, before the end of the 60s, you know, directors, even the big ones were often just assigned projects. Now, from the 70s onward, it was, you know, working, you worked within the system a lot of the time, but you still, you had to kind of handpick and became writer directors and producers and all that stuff and became their own producers. So coming from that era onward, I don't think anybody's had a, a run Like the 70s for Coppola, I mean that was just all four of those are just towering, kind of timeless pieces in the cinema. And he also he also did the screenplay, kind of one of the last screenplay assignments he had before he did Godfather was uh, Patton, which he won the Oscar for in 96, which didn't quite make our list, but I mean that was kind of his 70s. And he was also producing at the time. He produced he produced uh, American Graffiti and uh, THX for for Lucas and started you know those all those careers that whole the whole. Capra was a really interesting guy, and the fact that the rest of his career was never anywhere near as strong as his 70s. Yeah, I think you know, he peaked there just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's really interesting. But what he did for other filmmakers and kind of what he had his ideals and what he tried to do, even though he didn't really succeed, he didn't sustain it long term. It's really interesting. It's a really interesting story and an interesting time, and all those you know, all those filmmakers who came kind of from his. Uh, from Zoetrope, which he he formed, he wanted to be he wanted to create something like United Artists, which was started in the <clears throat> in the 20s by Chaplin and and uh, Fairbanks and a couple people, and and was like a bastion for artists within the system, and that's what he really wanted to do, and it didn't quite pan out, partially because. He had to keep putting his money into his own projects. I mean, Apocalypse Now is kind of the most dramatic, but even One from the Heart and, and uh, a couple of the projects that came in the 80s really sunk him financially as far as he didn't have this huge fortune that he probably should have just if he was been the filmmaker from the 70s. But and he also started diversifying his interests in the winery and all other kinds of stuff that he wanted to do and spend time with his family and all that. So, I mean, part of it, he just lost his, I guess, drive to be, that filmmaker which you know if you've, anyone who's seen Hearts of Darkness uh, the documentary on the making of Apocalypse Now which I mean everyone should even if you hate that maybe you think it's the worst movie you've ever seen in your life that movie that documentary is fascinating and how that movie almost fell apart a thousand times and what, all the things that happened and how kind of crazy he had to finish it it's really astounding great. I think it was a
1: Herzog film if I didn't know better, right. for sure. Right. But he did get, but he sort of is related to Nicolas Cage, so that, that offsets at least yep. some that's of this. His,
0: that's his nephew. So, and and Sophia, Sophia, you know, she has uh, one of her movies and made the top ten of the Millennium list, so yeah, yeah. It continues. Jason Schwartzman, Jason Schwartzman is another, that's Talia Shire's son. So, I mean, he's got, there are a couple of, the couple of Bloodline continues and they'll continue, but no one, none of them combined will ever have any impact the way that he did in the 1970s.
1: So, yeah, I gotta say, I, I just, hats off to, first of all, you for doing such a great job. The presentation is fantastic. The enthusiasm is infectious. And we could see that with the ballots. You know, um, yeah. I, I love that. What was the 100 film? At 67 points? Something like that?
0: Logan's Run on the Omen had the same number of points.
1: Yeah. I just, I love that you could have literally two people have a film number one and another, like, in the top half of their list and it still wouldn't make it. That is just such a great testament to the enthusiasm everyone had for this. Uh, anything else on your mind about this?
0: Yeah, I'm going back. If anyone talks about some directors somewhere, I mean, not. I mean, Coppola had four, and Altman had four, which I think was. I, think, I don't think either of these were shock. I mean, I think everyone knew all four Coppolas would be there. The only question was how high uh, the conversation. So
1: top was, uh, heavy, yeah.
0: But Altman had four. I think the one that was a little surprising, eh, not surprising, not shocking, but a little surprising, was uh, Andrei Tarkovsky has. Three in the top 50, which I don't think. I I think people who are kind of the art house people, Amos and people who like, I mean, once you, Tarkovsky is one of those filmmakers, kind of like Kubrick. He doesn't have as wide a following, but once you get into him, you're really into him. You really Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 And like we say,
1: those kind of those kind of thi- those kind of uh, films and directors do really well on these lists. Right.
0: And uh, so that and Lumet had three, which isn't surprising. But the thing I thought was interesting was so those four had 14, because they had four, four, three, and three. So those four filmmakers had 14 of the top 100, and there were 18 directors who had two apiece. So 22 men had 50 films on the list. Wow. So there wasn't, which isn't surprising, I mean, because it's not surprising that if you like one film from a director, especially in this kind of auteur era, that you would like two or three from that director and might have them, on your list, and I think that was another good thing that people didn't necessarily say. Well, I've got one Spielberg movie, and I'm not going to put Close Encounters on there because man, I've already got one. They just they they voted what their favorites were, which is I think what everyone should do. And the actor uh, Hoffman, Dustin Hoffman, wound up being in five of the hundred movies: Little Big Man, Straw uh, Kramer vs. Kramer, All the President's Men, and Marathon Man. And uh, John Cazale's in five, but his five movies—the only five movies he was in and Godfather, people know most best, and, and he died of cancer uh, shortly after uh, Deer Hunter. But so he was only in five films. <laughs> they happened to be The Godfather, Godfather Part Two, Deer Hunter, Conversation, and Dog Day Afternoon. So he did all right.
1: Was it four of them or five? Or all five all that five, were nominated for five Best made Picture? List, and those were the Dog five Day movies. made it. Okay. Those were the only five movies he was ever in.
0: Great as the beginning of Hoffman, Dustin Hoffman's career. I mean, and if you go from the gra- uh, from uh, the graduate up through you know Tootsie, it's really. I mean, he, I mean, he's got almost just almost all classics. I mean, the couple that people don't know very well are great movies. So. But he does have a he does have a few weird duds in there. I mean, even he even in that run, wasn't perfect, <laughs> and certainly hasn't been perfect since. then. So, I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty. John Cavaill is a pretty uh, pretty interesting case.
1: He would have had his Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium sooner or later I, if he'd kept making films. I believe if
0: he had lived into his 70s and kept making movies, he would have had some real stinkers in there. Even if you just stuck with Coppola, I mean, Coppola had some real stinkers along
1: the way. Well, if you're Coppola, you might be tempted to say that was my good luck charm. I just I didn't have it without Cazale. And
0: there's a good there's a good documentary on uh, on uh, on Cazale's career. And, uh, I know it was you. I know it was you. That's what I've called. the gods mind. I know it was you, Fredo. Yeah, I know it was you. It's a really good documentary. I think it was made for HBO originally, but it's and it's got interviews with with all the people you want, including Meryl Streep, who was his uh,
1: fiancee at the time when he died. Uh, any advice for whoever ends up running the '60s list?
0: Uh have fun. Um, know it's gonna take a lot of your time, but it's it's worth it. I mean, there you know, people gripe along the way about this and that, and everybody always wants them to come faster and wants. Now, pick a day instead of two a day, and yeah, but just hold your ground, and it really works. It it it's a good system. That uh, started with, I guess, the Millennium List. It's a good system, doing two a day till you get to the top ten, and just stay with it and have fun. And I really had fun, you know, picking out the images and all that kind of stuff, and the format of the list. I mean, that was all fun for me. So I mean, I think you have to have a little bit of a proclivity towards that kind of. You know, not like graphic design is a grand term for it, but that kind of graphic sense. And that's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, and I guess it's a lot of fun listening to everyone speculate knowing oh, sure. the answer that's, already. That's really.
0: That's being the one person in the room who knows the answer when everyone else is guessing and seeing how wildly off they almost always
1: are is a lot of fun. All right, Holden Pike, thank you so much. Thank you.
0: while them in the end you've got a hit you can have flaws problems but while wow them in the end and you've got a hit